Hey, James Well, before we get into the time of teaching this morning, just wanted to say two quick things. One is that our Generous Christmas initiative officially wraps up today, and so we just really encourage you to click on that Generous Christmas banner, give generously so that we can meet the needs of those within our community and around our community, especially in this season that's coming up with COVID and all the challenges of winter and financial fallout and all of those things. Thank you to many of you who gave hats and gloves this past week. So appreciate that and thrilled to be able to bless Elijah's promise in that way. Last thing that I'll say is year-end giving. This is also the week for that so that you get it in by the end of the calendar year. You can do that very simply through our website, jacobswellnj.org. Click on the headings there on give and you can just uh, give into the normal general offering for that. Thank you to the many who do that. With that, I'll hand it over to the time of teaching. We're actually jumping back into the letter of James and I'll hand it over to Jalen for our preaching this morning. Good morning, church. It is so good to be here with you on this Christmas Sunday morning. My name is Jalen, for those of you who may not know me, and I'm one of the preachers here at Dick as well, and I have the honor of sharing the word of God with you this morning. I hope that you all have enjoyed this Christmas week amidst, all, amidst what has been a radically different holiday season for us all, but hopefully you've been able to find joy in this Christmas season. I tell you one of the joys for me, church, is any Christmas season, I love listening to Christmas music by the great acapella group Pentatonics, right? And I stopped by here to tell somebody today that COVID-19 has not in any way, shape, or form stopped my Pentatonics praise. I wonder if I got an amen when I said that. I wonder if I did, right? Christmas music is also, you know, my favorite kind of music, and I only get to listen to it once a year, so I got to enjoy it while I can. And speaking of Christmas, check this out. So the staff did a secret Santa, or Scott calls it a mysterious magi, and my secret Santa, Santa was our very own Rachel Suarez, and look what she got me, y'all. She got me a new preacher towel. Isn't this, like, legit? A preacher towel, man. Uh, so she gave me a, a much-needed upgrade, if I might add, and I am so excited to use it. But check this out. I don't know if it's the Christmas season, but I feel like I'm in a chill mood this morning. Right, so I don't actually think that today I'm gonna need to put your towel at all. Now, given my track record, track record, I think that this is an appropriate time to take bets, right? Like over under, over Jalen sweats as usual, and by the end he's just extremely tired. Under he barely breaks a sweat today, right? I'm taking the under, you know, betting on myself. But if you take the over, I don't blame you because my track record is what it is. So it'll be interesting to see what happens by the end, but I am so excited about this new Preacher Town. Great secret sign of great gifts. Love it so much. I will use it for the rest of my preaching days. All right, so let's dive into our text this morning. So last week we finished our Advent series, and this week we're actually going to be diving back into the sermon series we were in before, which was Wisdom in the Whirlwind, right? Studying the book of James. And I'm actually really excited to get back into this series. Right? I love, I've, I've loved engaging with James, and I can't wait to see what God has for us as we sort of finish out the book. Our text this morning will be coming from James chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. James chapter 4, verses 11 through 12, right? So turn that with me, and once you get there, just say, I got it. I got it, I got it, I got it, right? Oop, I heard. I think I heard a couple people already say, I got it, so I'm glad that some of you are already getting there. I promise you, if you say it out loud, I can hear you, so go ahead and just say it out loud. I got it, I got it, I got it. Great. James 4, 11 through 12. 
Here's what God has for us this morning. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you? Who are you to judge your neighbor? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, church, this morning, just for a few minutes of your time, I want to tag this text. God is the only judge we need. God is the only judge we need. I already need to drink water. That's not a good sign for this towel situation I have. I might sweat a little bit this morning. All right, let's see. God is the only judge we need. So church, this morning, James establishes for us who the lawgiver and the lawmaker is, which is God. And James goes on to further establish our roles as doers of the law and not the judge of the law. Because the only one who was allowed to judge the law is the one who made the law. And I have to say, in some ways, our text this morning sheds light on the glory of the Christmas story, right? Because when we think about the Christmas narrative, it is a story, it is, it is a story of how a big God who created the universe comes down to earth to set things right again. Christmas is indeed a story that highlights how the judge and giver of the law saw fit to come down to earth to show his creation how to be doers of the very law he created. So God manifested in the, in, in the flesh, born in a lowly manger in the person of Jesus Christ. He was born so that he could give us access to a spiritual power that would transform us from sinners against the law into doers of the law. This Christmas, we celebrate the birth of a king, of a king who came as a judge not to merely condemn us, but to show us what it means to follow the law and become doers of it as he showed us when he was on earth. And this morning, our text is pushing us to ask the questions, what is James trying to say to us specifically, Brother Jalen, about what it means to be a doer of the law? The focus of our text this morning is on number one, how are we called, how we are called to treat one another, right? How we are called to treat one another, number one. And then number two, how we are called to understand our relationship to the law and ultimately the lawgiver who was none other than Almighty God. How we are called to understand our relationship to the law and ultimately the lawgiver who was none other than Almighty God. So James begins by saying this in our text, do not speak evil against one another, brothers and sisters. Other virgins say, do not slander one another, right? And we see right here in verse 11, a direct engagement with the words and teachings of Jesus. Because Jesus, Jesus declares in the gospels that the second greatest commandment of the law is to love your neighbor as yourself, right? And not to speak evil against your neighbor. So if we judge our fellow neighbor, then we are judging the very law that commands us to show love. 
To speak against someone or to slander their name is to scorn the law of love that Jesus establishes for us in the Gospels. And to be clear, when James says slander or speak evil against a neighbor, this means that a person is intentionally spreading distorted information about a neighbor that discredits them, that that discredits them and tarnishes their reputation and can at times even demonize them. James says with crystal clarity that we are not called to engage in this kind of gossiping behavior that does so much to harm our neighbors. And James takes it even further and says that the one who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them or judges them speaks evil against the law and judges the law. Now, this is interesting, right? Because the question becomes conceptually, how does slandering or condemning my neighbor translate into me judging the law, right? This is a great question, J. Well. And I'm so happy you asked it. Here's what I think James is trying to get at here. When we judge and when we slander or speak evil against our neighbors, we are really choosing to ignore the law of God. How so? And it is is often the case that when we choose to ignore various commands in the law, we put ourselves in the position of deciding which of them we really think ought to be obeyed. Right. We pick and choose which laws are the most important to us or the ones we think are the easiest or most convenient for us to follow. But the ones we don't like that much, we just cast those aside. Right. So James is saying that when we make choices such as slandering and speaking evil against a neighbor, what we are in essence doing, church, is making a value judgment on the law itself. Right. We're saying that this law isn't that important to me or it doesn't mean that much to me. So therefore, I'm just going to do what I feel like doing. And James is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Time out. Right. Wait a minute, because we got this thing all twisted. What God called us to do in our relationship with the law is to allow the law to shape our lives rather than allowing our lives and our motives to shape how we interpret the law. I'm going to say that one more time. Right. What God calls us to do in our relationship with his law is to allow his perfect law to shape our lives rather than allowing our lives and our motives to shape how we interpret and live according to God's law. Because truth is, there are times when we might flat out disagree with God's word or we just give up hope that we can ever obey certain commandments because they're just too hard for us to do. So we begin to shape God's law to benefit our own motives and our desires rather than submitting ourselves to God and allowing God through his law to shape and transform our lives. And we really have to stop focusing on how much we can't do or obey God's commandments. Because the truth is, church, God already knows that. Right. This is why he came to earth to pay a debt that we could not pay ourselves. And that debt we could not pay was sin in which we could not overcome on our own. So Jesus dies to our sins on that old rugged cross so that we can experience true life and become doers of the law like he was during his time on earth. So God now wants us to shift our focus and our mindset and believe that it is God who inspires us to be doers of the law, 
And he says that 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 through his power uh, of, of his spirit working within us, he will he he will shape us rather than our motives and desires shaping the law. God's word will ultimately land us in a place where we will experience ultimate fulfillment and true purpose and meaning. But we cannot accomplish this by only obeying certain commandments and doing things that we think is in our control. But God wants us to be doers of his entire law, right? Because he knows that it is his perfect and entire law, right, that can shape us and mold us into the children that he has created us to be. So we have to allow the law to shape our lives rather than allowing our lives and our motive to shape our ideas about the law. And here's another truth that this verse reveals. James recognized that slandering and speaking evil against your neighbor is also rooted in our pride, right? And what does he mean when he says this, Brother Jalen? Well, here it is. So slanderers think that they know better than God and God's revealed law. They judge others by the law while they themselves disobey the law, right? And this reminds me of the words of Jesus in, 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 in Matthew when he says, in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. We see the Savior saying along with James emphatically, who are you to judge, right? It's like that old saying about pointing fingers at other people, right? Every time you point a finger at someone, um, you got three fingers pointing right back at you, right? I think that's how it is. One, two, three. Yeah. Three fingers pointing right back at you. Right. And that image allows us to really see it's a poignant image. Right. Because it allows us to see that we can't point or judge anybody. Right. Without also judging ourselves, which is why we are called not to judge or slander, but to love and support. Right. We have to recognize that we are all sinners. I am a sinner. And just because my sin is not your sin does not give me reason to judge your sin harsher than I judge my own, right? We are called to love each other, support one another, and pray for each other so that we can all grow and mature into the people that God has created us to be. And as we shift into the next verse, James offers another rationale, right, for where our judgments, where our judgment of others stem from. Right. And returning to one of our earlier points, when we set up ourselves as having the right to decide which law should and should not be obeyed, James wants to say in verse 12 that this is a revelation of a great problem. Because what we are doing when we do when, when we do this, right, choose which laws we want to obey and choose which laws we, 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 we don't want to obey, right? What we're doing when we do this is we are usurping God's role as being the one and only God because no other becomes comes before him, right? James says there's only one lawgiver and judge, and when we decide what laws we want to live by, Right. And what laws should govern and regulate our daily choices? We are trying to play God's role, which is not our role to play. Right. So the lesson James wants to teach us here, church, is that in our lives, we have to let God be God and realize that we are not. Right. We are not God. 
right? We are not the author of our own stories. We are not the creator of our very lives. And we are not the makers of the moral and divine laws that have been, dis- that have been established by God, right? Too often in our lives, we try to play God. And I hate when this happens because I know when I try to play God, right, it leads to more stress, more misery, more depression, more worry, more anxiety, and sometimes utter despair, right? When I try to fix things on my own, take matters into my own hands and and, and begin to call the shots of my own life, things never work out the way they're supposed to work out, right? And I never achieve ultimate fulfillment and joy in my life. And you and you want to know why I never achieved this church? It's because it's not my job to provide that for myself. That's God's job, right? God gives me joy. God gives me peace. God gives me purpose and fulfillment. God is my provider. Right. And when I try to provide these things for myself, uh, 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 it, it may look good for a little while. But in the end, I always end up lost because I don't have the capacity to provide these things for myself. Only God does. Which is why we have to let God be God. That's God's job. Not mine. Now, when God revealed this to me this week, I was reminded of the image of a rearview mirror, right? Rearview mirror on the car. And as I was thinking about this image, as God was giving, it, giving me this revelation, right? God was telling me, I want you to think about Jalen driving, right? But driving on this road called life, right? And when you're driving on this road called life, there are always going to be storms we have to drive through right? There are going to be bumps on the road along the way, and so many other things are just going to come up, right? But when the drive gets really hard, and we begin to drift off the path we're on, and and we're tempted to go another way, God reminds us to look in the rearview mirror, right? He says, look back, child, and I want you to remember all the promises I've kept in your life. Remember all of the ways that I have made for you. Remember all the times that I provided for you every time you were in need. Look, children, in the rear view mirror and allow my work for you in the past to inform your faith in me now. I need you to let me be me. Let me be your father. Let me be your God as I have been in the past and as I will continue to be in your future. Our role is not to be God, but it's simply to obey God, right? And catch this church, when we make the obedience of God the primary function of our lives, family, I promise you, everything else will fall into place. When you make the obedience of God the primary function of your life, everything else will fall into place. Everything will work out in the end. And this is why James says that there is only one lawgiver and one judge, right? Because God is the one who establishes what is right as a lawgiver, and God is also the one who punishes the wrongdoer as the judge. Let God be God. And even in in this context, right, it's not our job to judge, and it's showing up in our job to slander, 
right? We have to let God be who God is as the ultimate judge and vindicator, right? Because it is God who is fair. God is impartial and God is just all the time, right? Not us. And this leads into the final thing James wants to say to us this morning, which, uh, which, which is given that God is the judge, right? And given that we are sinners, James says to you and I this morning, who in the world do you think you are to judge someone else? Hmm. Who are we to judge? You know what, church, if we're honest with ourselves, right? The reason we tend to judge others, and I'm being honest, right? The reason we tend to judge others, right? It's because it's easier to judge somebody than it is to love somebody, (laughs) right? It's easier to judge somebody than it is to love somebody. I wonder if I got an amen when I said that, right? that's That's a pretty hard truth, right? It's easier for me to judge you than it is for me to love you. Yikes, right? Convicting, right? Because And it's a hard thing to hear because when I judge somebody, right, it's a hard thing to do because when I judge somebody, it deflects all of the attention off of me, right? It deflects all of the accountability off of me and I put it all on somebody else. But real love requires a, kind, a certain kind of vulnerability right? And a deep honesty that says, you know what? I'm not perfect. And since I know I'm in need of forgiveness and I'm in need of salvation, then I know that I should not judge you, but rather I should have patience with you, my God, right? I should not hold grudges over you, but I should forgive you, right? Because this is the kind of love I'm getting from God, our Father. God loves me this way, right? God, who is the ultimate judge, right? Here's the good news that God offers us. Even as the ultimate judge, God says that my final judgment for you is love. I choose to love you, right? Which is why I came to earth to save you, right? And I want you to reflect this very same love to your neighbor, to your brother, and to your sister. Who are you the judge. And even though it's easier to judge than to love, we have to always remember this is why Jesus came to teach us that it's easy, that since it's easier to sin and live in your flesh, this is why we have to learn to die to our flesh, right? Die to ourselves, right? We have to take up our cross just as Jesus did and learn how to die so that new life can spring forth within us, right? And when we are faced with the the decision to judge or love somebody, sometimes that that, 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 that decision will hurt, right? And and I'm going to be honest, right? I think it should cause us at times excruciating pain on the inside, right? Because see, when it does this, church, it's a good sign because that means that we are dying to sin within us, right? And the spirit is convicting us and transforming us and our actions from a place of judgment to love, right? And here's the kicker. Death should hurt right? But the good news is it's only temporary because God has a new life for us. 
that is going to give us the true experience of feeling alive. And when we die to our sins, we are leaving behind things that ultimately weigh us down. That's what God is saying to you and I this morning, right? Slandering your brother or sister, judging your brother or sister, right? Gossiping behind folks' back, not loving them, not being patient with them, not forgiving them. These things weigh us down, but love will set you free, right? And in order for us to become the people that God has created us to be, we have to choose love. We have to choose to be a doer of the entire law of God, right? And remember, even when it feels hard, shift your focus and say, it's not me who has to obey by myself, but it's the spirit within me that's going to empower me to be a doer of the law, just like Jesus was. That's the good news, right? Who are we to judge? Who are you to judge? What right do we have to judge someone else? Absolutely not. Which is why we have to choose love over judging others. And as I come to a close, you know, church, as we cross over into a brand new year, 2021, right? It's crazy that this year is about to be over. Um, I think a truth, I think a truth that we should take with us, right, into the year 2021 is this fundamental truth of letting God be God, right? That's a truth that really stuck out to me this week that I feel like God is just saying, take that with you, brother Jalen, as you go into 2021. Let me be me, right? Because if 2020 taught us anything, right? is that we don't have any control over really anything in our lives, right? This year has taught us that our lives can change drastically, right? In a moment's notice, right? Who would ever thought? But the good news for the Christian is that even though this is a reality of life, for us, we're okay. Because remember, it's not our job to ensure that we will ultimately ultimately be all right or provided for in this life. That's God's job. And as we go into 2021, let us remember to let God be God. Let God be the provider that he said he would be for you. Let God be the peace that he said he would be for you. Let God be the joy that he said he would be for you. Let God be the fulfillment and the purpose he said he would be for you in your life. We are not God, which means that we cannot judge other people, which means that we cannot judge the law, which means that we cannot expect to call the shots of our own lives. That's God's job, not ours. And the minute, and 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 the and the more we realize that we don't even have the capacity, right? Like I, we, we we quite literally can't do what God does, right? Like we can't do these things. The 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 the, the closer we realize this thing, but the sooner we realize these things, I think it's going to be to our betterment, right? I think we're going to be able to let go easier, right? Once we really truly realize that I don't even have the capacity. So God, take it and shape me and mold me 
and to the doer of the law you've called me to be. I'll leave you with this. As we head into 2021, my prayer for you and I this morning is that we can make obedience of God, right? Let us make the obedience of God the primary function of our lives. And I want you to watch how everything else will fall into place when we do this. Make the obedience of God the primary function of your life. And everything else will fall into place. Merry Christmas, church. I love you, and I hope you had a wonderful Christmas Sunday, wonderful Christmas week with your families, whether they've been over Zoom or anything like that. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. God bless you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time uh, to, to come and study your word. This time to come and be inspired, be convicted, and encouraged to keep on keeping on as we head into a new year. And God, I pray as we head into a new year that we can continue to grow in you, we can continue to mature in you. And God, I pray that we just let go, continue to let go, and let your will be done in our lives. Thank you so much, God, for being God. There is none other like you. And thank you so much, God, for being our God, for being our Father, God. We belong to you. You belong to us. And for that, God, we're thankful. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. See you later, church.